Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. We're going to be frightful tomorrow. So Keep it dialed in here to WCCO. We'll bring you the latest throughout the day. As these winds come in and this rain and the snow, whatever it is, it comes in well covered. Gary Trent Sr. has learned that, and he still loves it here in Minnesota. Why did you decide to stay in Minnesota, Gary? What, what, what was it about Minnesota after you played the Timberwolves that you said, I want, I want to live here? Well, you know, I went back home for a little while when I retired, and uh, I got custody of my son. And uh, once I got custody of Gary Jr., I wanted to get to a bigger city with more opportunities, and this was the last city that I played for an NBA team, and I just had the most relationships here, and, um, you know, things worked out for me. My my family was here. Uh, my wife's family's from here. She's from here, so it just worked out simple. Not too bad for your son either. Oh, no, it worked out awesome. It was going to work out for him either way it go because the knowledge that I possess was going to be wherever I was at. Okay, so, so he lands the $54 million deal. What's that like when you watched him sign that? And, you know, I mean, there, there's money and there's life-changing money, and that's called life-changing money forever. What did that feel like as his dad? Man, that's family tree-altering money, you know? That's family tree-altering money is what that is, is right. That's a good way of putting yeah, you know, it. To help your generations, and that's, you know, that's how a lot of these companies are. You know, somebody's uncle or grandfather kept passing it down, passing that's it right. down, and... Trust fund babies, man. Uh, you, you know, we're out there competing against trust fund babies, and they, you know, the, the old saying they they were they were born on third base, think they hit a home run. We we compete against them every day, but NBA money can do that too. But what, what, what was that? What did that feel like to you, man? The greatest thing was I was so happy for my son because of what he went through, what he dealt with, the way he was uh, being looked over in Portland, like you know, just a piece of chopped liver, like he was never going to amount to anything. You know, being in street clothes, being overlooked just due to draft status and not really being evaluated for his hard work and talent. And uh, when he got his opportunity, it was just such a beautiful thing for me to, I just, just to watch the relief in his face and, and, and in his heart from all these years of hard work. You know, people think that, oh, he, he, he did this after three years in the NBA. There was three years in the NBA, there was a year of college. There was three years of high school, and we've been doing it since he was five, six years old. So, you know, I, I can testify to that. I watched you in the health club, shot after shot after shot, you and Junior. So this is like 16 to 18-year body of work that he actually had to put together to accomplish it. So this was not no overnight thing. And it, and it takes a lot of perseverance to be able to say, I'm going to invest in something and get completely nothing for a guaranteed at least 20 years. And then yeah. there's a lot of people at the end of that road still get nothing. Yeah, and maybe nothing. You may never get anything. Yeah, maybe never get to the NBA, never get a scholarship, never get a G League. So you have to really be all in and believe in what you are trying to accomplish. 
So, so uh, Toronto wanted him, obviously. Uh, what, what were they seeing that they liked about him? Because obviously, you talk about draft stats, second round picks. Sometimes in the NBA, you know, first round picks get all the looks, and you know, as they say, and it moves from there. But, but what was it Toronto saw in him because because they were intentional about this? The upside of his age, being such a young player. Uh, the upside of, you know, his fundamentals and his shooting ability, you know. And I think when they saw all those things, those are what really looked into the factors of the things they were trying to build. You know, they got OG on one wing. They got Gary on another wing. Uh, Freddie's, Freddie's heading up the point guard position with some good sit-down defense. And you get some athletic bigs behind you in Siakam, and you guys can try to make some noise. So I think um, just, you know, beefing up, the shooting, you know, if you if you don't have shooters, you're not going to survive in today's basketball game. And you look at what the Bulls did, look at what Brooklyn did, Milwaukee's the champ. So there was a lot of shooting and, and battling in the East, and they really just part of the rebuilding process in Toronto, and he's part of that. When you coach, you, you still coach kids, and, and it, you, you watch a kid that's a good shooter. Is it up to you, the coach, then, to get him shots, or are there some kids that are really good shooters that you just can't get them shots? No, if you executing right, you're going to get them shots. You know, if, if you you got to get them shots or your team's not going to do what it's supposed to do. So you get them shots out of the offense. And uh, the thing is, you know, when kids are great shooters at a young age, you have to repetitiously and consistently stay on them about improving their craft. You know, don't, you know, because you might dominate some league here in Minnesota or you might dominate a tournament or so here. Hey, there's a kid in Louisiana. There's a kid in California. There's somebody in New York. There's somebody in Chicago. There's somebody in St. Louis. So don't think you're the only fourth grader or sixth grader or eighth grader somewhere making noise. There's some other kids around this country whose parents have invested in them, invested in their belief, uh, hiring for lessons, and are doing the same things that they're doing. So, you know, you can't rest. What did Mike Krzyzewski's final year, and obviously he's getting a lot of attention, and so is Duke, a good team as well. What What did he do for your son that helped him as an NBA basketball player, or is it two different things, college and NBA game? The college game and the NBA game are two different games. You know, there's zones, uh, sometimes a lot of clutter, teams running two, three zones, no spacing and things of that nature. The speed of the game is different. The physicality, the length of the athlete, and the difference in the NBA and college, the biggest difference is everybody in college is an amateur. Everybody in the pros is a pro. And everybody in the pros has made the pros. Everybody that's in college is not going to make the pros. So you could watch a college game and see one pro on each team or two pros on one team and one pro on the other. So you're watching 10 guys, but you're watching three pros. And and, and that's if it's a really good game. Yes, and when you watch an NBA game, you got 10 pros out there on the floor at all times. Did Krzyzewski, was he able to guide him at all? Was there anything that you, any pearls of wisdom that he garnered from him? I'm sure he dropped some nuggets of knowledge on him along the way, uh, you know. But for the most part, my son came to Coach K and every other program already tuned up and ready. Game ready. Because I got 25 years of this experience myself. So the reason Coach K came after my son is because of what my son became before Coach K. So, you know, I'm sure he dropped a nugget of knowledge or so, but he didn't develop my son. He didn't give my son no game. He bought my son to Duke, and my son ran his plays. You didn't improve on my son's development. You didn't improve on my son's footwork. So only thing I could say, he might have dropped some knowledge on him, but as far as the skill set, no, he didn't improve my son. And, I mean, not too many college programs 
develop players unless they stay there for a long time, you know. So, you know, I don't I'm, – I'm not just, not just saying Coach K, but he didn't develop my son. My son came to him ready. My son would have did whatever he did at Duke. He would have did the same thing or better anywhere else. Gary Trent Sr. is our guest. Gary, Gary, now, now your son's got money. He's got everything that you could possibly want. And with that, he's got a lot of people that want his attention, right? He's got, if it's a financial planner, an agent. And dare I even say it, there's probably females out there that, that, that know how much, who he is and all those things. So what do you tell him? Uh, well, you know, everybody's out to get you until you see different. You don't look at this person and say, well, this person might be for the right thing. This person might not be. This person could be. No. Everybody that you can set your eyes on is guilty of some crime or some negativity or something they want to bring your way. And until they spend enough time around you and you see the truth and you see their true colors, they, they're guilty because, first and foremost, you don't need them. You right, so, so they, can, they, they can only hurt you at least off the top. Exactly. You, everybody that's in your corner is the same people that helped you make it, and that's everybody in our household. You know what I'm saying? Nobody yep. else helped you get there, so you don't have to rely on nobody else. Everybody in our household is why you got there. So start there, and and then think that way when when you meet people, huh? Yeah, and you know, being young, you're gonna you're gonna have to figure it out. You know, not every girl uh, has wrong intentions, and uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, you have to. Like I tell my son, you know, a lot of times people fall in love with the idea of being with you more than what it is to be with you. Yeah, you know start thinking about the putting my feet up, getting the maid and the chef and the easy street life and dressing well and all this and that. So it's easy to fall in love with that idea. And if that's the idea or the life that they're going to want, they got to earn that, you know, like, um, you know, throughout my son's whole career, any girlfriend or any cousin or any homeboy or that, nobody was in the gym with us. It was me and him. Yes, it was, and I'm going to say, I, I can attest to that watching you two. Now, now let me ask you about the another team, and that's the Timberwolves, I'm sure you keep an eye on. Uh, when D'Angelo Russell's on the floor and everybody's healthy, they got a pretty good team. When they're not, they're not. I, I don't buy that, that Russell wants to really be here or, or that, that he loves basketball. How do you see it? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know him personally to where I can, you know, say, you know, I can measure what his heart is or his, his level of passion or whatnot. But, uh, I mean, he's made it this far all his career. So, you know, you don't shoot the ball the way you do. You don't dribble. You don't come here and get a max deal in the NBA if he wasn't working at some level to achieve this. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hard. A team ain't just getting ready to just give up that amount of money, triple-digit money, for a guy who they didn't feel had the opportunity or work ethic. Now, maybe it isn't that uh, he – maybe he's not in the spirit because of the losing energy. You know, that can drive on a guy who wants to win, who is used to success or whatever the case may be, and you keep losing, losing, losing. That can make people want to drive. And that's why everybody gives Paul Pierce, uh, you know, a lot of credibility because throughout those dreadful seasons in Boston, he never asked for a trade. He never left. He stayed loyal. And – he ended up getting one, you know? Yeah, they brought it to him, you know, and, and, and they said, we're going to help you out here, Paul. And he got that title with uh, KG and uh, Ray Allen, and all of a sudden the big three was uh, was in play. Uh, Anthony Edwards, how do you like his game? Well, I love his athletic ability, and I love his youthful energy. Uh, I bumped into him a few times in the city, and he just seems like a good kid, and he's just hooping. I love his arrogance. Uh, mm-hmm. I love when he dunk on somebody and stare at him. I, I like the no-back-down attitude. So, yeah, I, I really like that kid out there a lot. 
How about Carl Anthony Towns? Carl Anthony Towns looks to me like um, he can't get a call. And maybe the reason he can't get a call is because he complains about every call. I don't know. But but how does it look to you? Because he's so talented and he's so good, but he doesn't seem to get the same calls the other guys get. Well, you know, you got to play a little bit more physical, a little bit more strong. And instead of, you know, just like Jason Kidd got on Luca. You know, the more you cry to the referees for call, the more you fall on dead ears. You know, they're not here. You, you got a referee who's doing this every night, probably refing more games than this season allows. And, uh, you know, you're in his ear every night. He's hearing a guy in his ear every possession for damn near two hours every night. You're going to fall on dead ears, especially when they have an expectation of you to be a franchise player or to carry a team. They expect you to lead by example. So when your leaders are whining, you know they're 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 not respecting that. What's the, de- the thing about whining? You've never seen them overturn the call. That's why they had to institute the replay from video. Who's going to turn over his call? Well, what's your definition of a great leader in an NBA locker room? You set the tone for focus. You set the tone with your energy and your performance at practice. And that carries over to the game. And what I mean by your energy, are you diving on the floor? Are you playing hard? Are you leading? Or are you one of these franchise prima donna who want to come to practice and flip flops and sit around and be cool and just show up on game day and you make so much money that they can't trade you or you make so much money that the coach uh, really can't say nothing because you're making 30, 35 million and the coach making 10. You know what I'm saying? That's a sorry leader to me. So, you know, the epitome of a leader, I've been on a lot of different teams. And, uh, you know, a guy who led by example, Ticket, man. You know, I watched him during his MVP season. You know, another guy that was a, a, a great leader at a young age to me was a, a guy, Mike Finley. You know, Was Mike, he really? Michael Finley was, huh? Well, Mike Finley looked up to Michael Jordan a lot. You mm-hmm. know, Mike worked on his game. You know, Mike dressed professional. Mike stayed in suits. Uh, you know, he came to the games ready to go. He had a great off-season work ethic. Uh, he came to the games clean and fresh, you know, very articulate, well-spoken guy. And uh, as a youngster, you know, watching him be in my draft class, watching him make the all-star game, being a teammate of his, you know, he had some good leadership in, in him. And then as I got older and I'm watching Ticket on another level, you're talking about a Hall of Fame leader. You know, when you come in the locker room, all that cell phone, playing around, talking about what happened last night or talking about what you're doing after the game and all that, that wasn't in our locker room. You know, skipping shoot around and skipping practice and all that. We wasn't doing that, man. Everybody was accountable. Everybody was there. Everybody did their reps. Everybody did their walkthrough. And that all was set on the tone by Kev. You know, how the hell are you sitting out of practice? Kev played 40 minutes on Monday. Uh, Mike guard Tracy McGrady. 40 minutes on Tuesday. Uh, guard Weber, first half. Uh, Page of the second half. And then on Wednesday at practice, he's trying to win the scrimmage. What, what, what type of person can sit out after that man and been out there doing that? You know, so to me, that was the epitome of the leadership, man. And, you know, that was that, the way he led. You know, you set the tone and guys following that. And you got to have some structure. Your, the air around your team has to be about success and focus. And if that's not the air, you won't be successful. Okay, so do you think Jimmy Butler was or is a good leader uh, because he got in guys' face? Or was he selfish and just trying to create a deal for himself? Well, you can't create a deal for yourself by getting in guys' faces. I think what pissed Jimmy off was when you tough, you hard-nosed, and you ready to compete at a level 10, and you got guys dragging in and guys like Wiggs who he feel like wasn't working hard and 
guys who ain't putting in that off-season work or guys playing soft and crying to the refs. You know, Jimmy was a good leader. He just was a gr- aggressive leader. Like Martin Luther King, he was a great leader, but he led with peace. He led with comms. He led with chants. He led with boycotts. Malcolm X was a great leader, but he great lead with a whole bunch of soldiers and a whole bunch of revolutionary, energetic guys. They both were great leaders. They just led different ways, like Jordan. You know, he led in a lot of ways, screaming, being in guy's face, you know, being on guys. Josh Stockton was a leader, but you don't hear about Stockton yelling. You know, everybody leads in a different way. And it only makes you a good or bad leader by how your followers are able to respond. Okay, so your followers can respond to being in their face screaming and yelling, then you're a great leader. Because there's some situations. I've worked in suburb schools and city schools. When I worked in city schools, there's a different language and energy that I have to talk to. Yes, there is. Suburb kids. Now, now, what would be, last question for you, what would be your definition of a great leader as a coach in the NBA? You mentioned it earlier, you alluded to it. You're not making the money the players are, and you might not have the length of contract, and yet you still, your job is to figure out a way to motivate them to perform. What is your definition of a coach that's a good leader in the NBA? What, what does that person look like and feel like? Well, the first thing, he has to have personality. You have to have personality, and you have to have great preparation skills your preparation skills is what's going to make high level players respect you or not respect you when you have an insatiable appetite like a kobe or a jordan or a garnett when you have that level of appetite the preparation that you see the coach put the team through knowing scouting reports knowing how to angle guys in defense and cut things off like that and how to take certain things away that will make the players respect the coach from a professional standpoint now how you lead as a coach, how you talking to guys. Are you kissing this guy's butt, but then when somebody else does it, you come down on him like with a hammer. Yeah. You know, so, you know, are, are you are you a fair coach? Are you fair about the opportunities? Are you are you seeing one of your players struggle and having the film guy say, hey, uh, Joe Blow been struggling a little bit, you know, put a couple of minutes of some edits together to help him work on something. Or are you like, hey, he's struggling, so what? You know, those are the things that make a, a great coach. You know, I coach Little League. And like I told my assistant guys, I'm only as good as my last player becomes. So when I met you today and you were a level one player, how great were you when you left me? Did you become a level five, six, seven, or did you only go to a two? And that's how you lead. You know, when you see players struggling, it's it's not hard to lead a Kobe. All you got to do is toss the ball to Kobe or Mike. But how do you lead a, a guy who's still developing, a guy who's still young, a guy who still hasn't figured it out yet? I'm hearing you. I got to tell you, GT, you and I together are pretty good on these sessions. I'm just telling you, okay? This is good man, podcastable material, you know? Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out to me and uh, still valuing my voice and opinion. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You bet, Gary Trent Sr. Put that on the podcast and see what they say about it, all right? You want a podcast? Podcast this, as we say in the old neighborhood tub. See, back after this at WCCO. Why didn't you tell me that before I bought them?
just want to be that's it. I didn't need to get your gifts. Oh, you could have saved me so much. Now you tell me all you want for Christmas was me. Just like me, if you told me sooner, I went to watch that little nighty. Yeah, I probably would have. Uh, Gary Trent Sr., boy, that, that, that's an animated, straightforward interview. Catch it on our podcast, wherever our podcast shows up. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah, one of the most amazing things in Minnesota sports is that at one time on one roster in Minnesota, you had three future NBA players with Trey and Trent Jones and uh, Trey and Tyus Jones and Gary Trent Jr. Now, now Trey was just an eighth grader, but on one Minnesota roster, three NBA players, unheard of. When we come back, Leah Bergen Olson. You see her on TV. She's also got a lot to do with youth sports and a lot of ideas and thoughts on it. And for a lot of parents right now. Uh, with winter sports, you're just starting to get into that travel season. And for some of you, your first-time parents uh, to travel sports is different. And there's things that you need to know and do's and don'ts and, and, and ways that you can make it a more pleasant experience for your son or daughter uh, because it will test you. We'll talk about just that when we come back. Stay with us. Something like that. Welcome back. Leah Bergen Olson, I sensed that you would enjoy the holidays and the Christmas time with family and friends and everything else. I would think this would be a good time of year for you. Is that the case? That is absolutely the case. My favorite time of the year. Yeah, you like uh, warm hot cider and gathering around a table and visiting and those kinds of things, right? Yes. Plus, I have tons of family. Between my husband and I, we have so much family yeah. in the metro area. We just pop around and visit and have fun. Oh, good yeah. to be able to see people again. It is good to be, and, and I always, when you say that, I also always feel kind of bad, and I think about those people that maybe live here from somewhere else or don't have that, you know, I what know. was very natural for you and your husband and whatnot, and I always feel like you got to kind of, you know, send one out to them, too, because you're not sure who they are. You just don't want to see people live in isolation during the holidays. Yeah, well, and you know what, and I I understand that it's, people say, people in Minnesota, it's hard, like when you're out from out of state yep. and not from here, that you don't always get welcomed over to people's Thanksgiving. Yep. So I've been a little more thoughtful about that throughout the years. But no, yep. And I can see that. I mean, it's not that people are mean or intended. They they don't really investigate or check. And and then on the other right. hand, I'll see guys that move into town from somewhere else, and, and they got and because they don't have friends here, they make it a mission. And one day I wake up and I'll go. You know, I kind of got this group of friends that's always been my friends, so I haven't really extended it anymore. Yep. You know, I haven't expanded it. And you got more friends than I do because you're constantly looking to make friends. And it's like, man, you, you got more friends here in Minnesota than I have. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and you got your grade school friends and your high school friends and your college friends and your work friends, so there's lots of friends. So we have to remember to welcome welcome in other folks. This is also the time of year when when, uh, parents, maybe first time uh, through it, are are bringing their kids and they're they're on a travel team or an in-house. It doesn't matter, but Mm -hmm. they've had their tryouts and now the tournaments begin. Uh, 
and it is a, it's a process if you haven't been through it before and and, and uh, you know first of all you may or may not be happy with the team that you ended up on whatever but but now you're going to get into the, this competition thing and, and 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 coaches that you don't know and parents uh, what what do you think are the two or three most important things to, to make that a, a healthy opportunity for your child I would say first and foremost don't freak out about the team that your kid gets on amen it's just like, you know, 1A, 1B, C team, B team, A team. There's really not that much difference between all of these teams, yet we, everyone gets so worked up about what team they're on. So if you can just be excited for your kids and support them in the, whatever team they're on, I feel like a lot of times those stories will just play themselves out. The kids will be fine by the end of the season and all is well. And and you, you can kind of quickly forget about, oh, I was on the B team, not the A team. You know, the other piece of that is sometimes these coaches are smarter than you think, and they're doing you a favor because they know on the A team you'd get two shots, but on the B team you're going to have a real chance to develop, handle the ball, and get eight shots a game. I, I mean, they really do see that sometimes, believe it or not. No, absolutely, and I think it's important that kids play. We want our kids you gotta to play. On. Yes, you want to play as much as possible. And if you're sitting on a bench on the AT, that's not the space you want to be in. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully there is enough talent. Obviously, it's so different in all the different areas. You know, if you're in state, out state, metro, urban, there's so many different scenarios. But the hope is is that you have enough talent on each sprinkled through each team that you're able to separate and set up the team so they all work appropriately. Um, we get that that's never a perfect scenario, um, but kind of making the best of it. The kids usually make the best of it is what I've found. Yeah, and, and um, you're right, though, that there has to be enough talent so that you're not getting wiped out every game and you, you just get right. discouraged about the sport when, in fact, you might have some talent uh, but, but pretty soon you start to think that you're the problem and you're not. But and, and I know that, that there, like you said, it, it depends on the depth of the that you have in that grade, etc. What do you think are the biggest mistakes parents make as, as they get into the competitive side of sports? I think adding extra pressure onto their athletes. I think basically all kids want to get out there. They want to be good. They want to perform well for their coaches, for their parents, for themselves. And so those are things that I think are intrinsic for young athletes. And so when parents kind of put more pressure on, which sometimes we do when we don't even know we're doing it. Absolutely. We're kind of putting this subtle pressure on about, you know, how good is this team and who's starting and what. (laughs) Absolutely. Same things that you don't really know is actually adding pressure, but I think that's critical. Let them play. Let them enjoy it and let them tell you about it rather than you always kind of prodding them on it. Leah Bergen Olsen is our guest. And, and you just said something there that I think is incredibly important. And, and I know I'm guilty of this. I mean, what's the first question I ask my son or daughter? Is, is, it, <laughs> is it about how was school? Did you get your schoolwork done? Or did I ask them how practice went? I, I mean, I really have to work at that, you know? Because yes. every time you ask them first, what, how was practice, you're sending a message that that was the most important thing in their day. Yep. And the thing is, and this is what I always say to parents, Mike, because there is something so special about your kids playing sports and having the opportunity to watch them. And it brings out feelings and emotions in parents that is different than everything else, different than going to a band concert, different than going to 
a math match, whatever it is, sports, there is more emotions and there's a different type of pride involved. And so really kind of being able to put yourself just a little bit in check. I mean, we all are going to have some emotions around it, but just being really cautious because what's crazy is this group of athletes coming through right now is the group that has the most anxiety and stress in sports than any other group that's come through. So they are feeling the pressure of sports already. You know, another thing that I I see, and it, it kind of brings you back to ground zero, is you know how you can walk in a gym and it's it's full of a seventh grade basketball tournament, say boys or girls, yep. and, you, and, you, and you just happen to be there and you walk through it and you walk out the door and you don't think twice about it. And then you think if your kid's playing, your world comes to a stop, you're completely focused on them, and it's the yep. same event that you would walk right by because you would consider it so unimportant and so recreational that it would have no meaning to you. And you yes. have to back it off once in a while and remember the, the eyes of the world are not upon that seventh grade game. And I'm saying these things based on experience and having to teach myself. This isn't just something that comes natural to anybody. Right, and I say that too because like, I talk a lot to athletes, coaches, and parents about this. And I know because I was the parent, too, that felt a lot of emotions. One of the things I would do at basketball games when my son was playing was I would take the book and do the scores so I wasn't yelling. Because I've done that, too. Yep. And Focus on who got the foul and write it down, and now you can't get caught up in it. Exactly. Because what you realize, especially now that I'm done with it, like you realize how precious that time is mm. and how quick it goes by. And now I'm like, oh, I would love to be sitting in those gyms, which um, I periodically go to now just to watch friends' kids. Sure, um, but it's not the and, same. But it's not the same. And like you said, there's zero stress in that situation. Zero. Right. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, What do you think travel coaches should know? Because many of them are well-intended but haven't coached before. Yeah, I think that's that's a really critical point, and it's something that I think has to be kind of handled and talked about in youth sports is that we have a lot of coaches that aren't trained. And I think there has to be some some training around what's appropriate for the age group that you're coaching. And... um, you know, high school kids need to be coached differently than college kids need to be di- coached differently than fifth grade girls or fourth grade boys. And so um, what is that training? How much of it? Can you pick up a book? Can you get it from the library? Can you get it from the community center? Wherever that is, the Aspen Institute, the uh, Positive Coaching Alliances, lots of spaces. But I do think there has to be some time spent on what is appropriate to say to young athletes um, what comments can and can't be made. How do you handle parents? Um, what are, you know, I always feel like teams that are most successful have really clear boundaries at the front of their season so all the parents know this is what's acceptable and this is not. Right. And then you really have to, you know, stick with that. So, um but no, I, I think the training piece is really critical and, and important for what what we do with our youngest athletes. Last question, and, and I'll give you my answer before I ask it, but you know, the thing that stands out to me the most from when I played, and I played three sports in high school and two sports in college and all that stuff, and when yep. I listen to what my kids say is, 
Not so much the X's and O's, but you can always tell if a coach cares. And caring, to me, trumps everything. If you truly feel like they want your son or daughter to get better, yes. that, that's, you, you, may, you may even disagree with the methodology they use or the strategy, but if you know that they're in your kid's corner, that makes all the difference in the world. It's so important and huge, and that's the one thing I feel so thankful about is the the coaches that my kids had coming through were all, they were, they were just so caring and giving up their time and they gave a lot of time and energy to my kids and their kids and all the other kids on those teams. And that is a true statement, Mike, for any coach at any level is if you want athletes to play at a high level, they have to know that you care about them and that um, there's more to it than the win and the loss. And so, um, but I, I think it's, the most important for our youngest athletes to know that as we're trying to keep them in the game, keep them involved and, you know, get them off of their phones and away from the um, TVs and keep them in a gym or on a field somewhere. I think it's really key that they feel comfortable on a field or on a court or on the ice. Merry Christmas, Leah. Great to visit with you. Thank you. Always great talking with you, Mike. You bet. Leah Bergen Olson. Uh, nice enough to give us some time and some great uh, Pearls of wisdom as many of you enter into that next phase of your life. It's a tough one. And in God, it's fun. When we come back, Chris Tubbs was not here last night. Where was he? And why does he feel like he was at the most exciting thing that could have possibly happened in this town? He'll explain when we come back. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Chris Tubbs was not with us last night, but he was somewhere. Oh, yes, he was somewhere. And he was into it. And he calls it the greatest event that will be held in Minnesota this week. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Of course, the Wild in Carolina got coded out today, so maybe. Tubbs, you were over there, though, in St. Paul. Yeah, I, I think that's why they called up the X. The uh, they called up the game tonight. I, I think it was just there was there, so much carnage at the X last night. There, there, could, night there wouldn't be any COVID moving around there. And, no, no, the are you kidding? A wrestling event. COVID, COVID. There are never any diseases or nothing that can be. Everybody's uh, highly vaccinated. Nothing transmissible at a uh, at a professional wrestling event. Okay, Max. Now explain where you were last night and where you were sitting. Yes, I was at uh, WWE Monday Night Raw. Um, my, uh, my daughter and I got, uh, tickets courtesy of, uh, Etor, uh, Big E, the, uh, WWE champion. So... How'd you get from him? Huh? Uh, my friend Joe, um, who's, uh, he's a friend of a friend. Okay. So, um, you know, we were talking, we're like, hey, you know, we're thinking about going to Raw. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, let me see what we can do. And, uh, we ended up, we were in the, uh, the very first row, as a matter of fact. Uh, what what the, is it like to floor. see... Monday Night Raw in the first row. Uh, you know, I- I've actually had ringside seats to events before. How'd your daughter like it? She loved it. She, she, she did? Yeah, she loved it. Um, it. It was pretty cool for her because, again, to me, it's when you're at something like this, it's about the kids. It's about seeing these kids near these wrestlers. And that there's they see nothing TV. better for kids than to see fake wrestling. I, 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 hey, it's yeah. not fake. It's, oh. <laughs> it's predetermined. It's not fake. It's predetermined. It's, all, you know, it's the entertainment Did, aspect. Has anybody ever thrown a guy out of the ring and, and, and they landed on you or near you or you know, where the sweat drops were right there? Oh, yeah. I, really? I will, yes. We've had guys that have uh, actually jumped over us. 
uh, behind us at certain Come events. On. No, I, I, I've got a. I've but got you a, were not a prop in this. They, they just did it. No, they went over us. I mean, you could have stood up and, and wreaked havoc. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll actually, I'll actually send you a picture of, of one. I mean, there's like six of us. Our mouths are agape, and we're like, oh man! And you can see the guy flipping, uh, plain as day. Uh, but last night it, it was really cool because my daughter, she'd never been to anything like this, like front row. So I mean, she got a fist bump from a wrestler and. Of course, you know, he'd go to the kids, and he went past the adults, which was kind of funny. But then there was this really cool moment where this wrestler's name is Finn Bauer, and he does this little hand signal. It's, uh, it's a, a too sweet. It's part of a Bullet Club, a wrestling thing from years ago. So he's in the ring, and my daughter's in the first row, and she's making this hand gesture. He came out of the ring had this huge smile on his face and was like laughing and going, yeah, went right over to her, gave her the little hand signal, and then went right back into the ring. Oh, my gosh. And, and it's, it's, it's those little experiences that she is, is never going to forget. Okay. And, and but what happened today when the teacher said, come to school because your daughter just slammed the desk on uh, little Johnny's head? Well, I, I mean, it's, you know. Part of the deal, it huh? It was part of the deal. I, I, I thought it was a no DQ day. <laughs> no DQ Tuesday. That's what I thought it was. I mean, no, no nobody told me this was going to be no a... DQ man, Dairy Queen. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, I thought this was a. I didn't realize this was a sanctioned school day. Okay, so, so I apologize. So, so last night while you're there, how mm. much are the fans into it that are around you? They they were into it, and again, it was, it was a lot of. You know, the event that I went to a, a few, uh, you know, about a month ago, Maxie, that you know I, I called you, and. That was a, a more of an adult, uh, more of an organic, intense, uh, you know, kind of a more adult crowd really is what I can think. We're, this was more geared towards children and families. And so it, it was it was definitely more of a corporate feel. Sure. When you start, you know, what's more corporate and family than a body slam? Right. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, big, meaty men slapping meat. Was The Undertaker there last night? The Undertaker was not there. Okay. How about The Crusher? The Crusher was not there. Okay. He lives with us, though, you know? Yeah, The Crusher? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Who, who was the best wrestler you saw last night? Uh, last night, um, probably Big E. How because come? He's, well, he was in the main he's big event. Because e. he's Big E, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, he's, he's my guy. Yeah. Um, you know, there was uh, this guy, Matt Riddle. Who you know was did some UFC stuff, but he's kind of switched into the WWE, kind of more of a a goofy. I don't want to say stoner gimmick. Well, what's but, the demographic of the fans? Is 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 it all age range, male, female? What do we got? Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's skewing a little bit younger now because uh, again I, they're really they haven't gone from you know the old Attitude Era with Stone Cold and The Rock and everything. Oh, that more. was an era. Yeah, it was more of the, you know, D-Generation X thing. This has really become more of a PG because they've got to appease advertisers and okay. television. I mean, that's where they make the money, not on live adver- you know, not, not on live events, but they make their money with TV contracts. And you've got to have advertisers. So it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a family-friendly event. And, you know, now being a dad, I, I'm okay with that, knowing that that's where I'm going to take my daughter. And, and I, I was okay with it. it. It was fun, and she's never going to forget it. And to me, if she enjoys it, then it was absolutely worth you know taking her out and having a, a daddy-daughter night. Yeah, I, you're the first person I've heard of that, that did daddy-daughter in the front row of WWE Raw on Monday night. 
But I'm 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 a, I'm a special kind of I'm a special kind of cat. <laughs> we'll let the therapist decide. No, good stuff, Tubbsy. Thank you for sharing with us. You got it, Max. That's that's why I couldn't call because I couldn't hear you, and I'm like, I can't hear him. So well, I was going to introduce, interrupt you at the raw. No, man. If it would have been the prelims, I would have. But uh, I know. Yeah. yeah, he can't get me when we're on national TV, Maxie. Right. All right, buddy. Have a good night. I uh, see you, buddy. Yep, that's Tubbsy. Henry Lake's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.